Hello, welcome to this episode of Asian Glow Up Podcast. I'm Jojo. I'm Jackie. And we have a very special guest with us today. His name is Andrew. Andrew, do you want to just do a quick intro on who you are and then we can get into how we know you? Yeah, for sure. My name's Andrew. I am the owner of Scattered Kind. We're holding rug making workshops just so that we can teach people how to, you know, use a tufting gun and also hopefully introduce them to a new hobby, a new whatever it might be. For those who don't know, me and Jojo actually did a rug making class and that's how we met Andrew. And we just thought your story was very interesting just because you come from a very corporate background, the usual like graduate, go to a corporate job, run that all hate it. Till, yeah. Yeah, hate it. But when you did your rug making, I think we were surprised to find like, oh, you quit your job full time and you kind of started this all on your own. So this is how we met and we've yeah. been in touch ever since. Yeah, yeah. we were sitting at Kitsby. Have you been to Kitsby in Williamsburg? It's a Sounds dessert familiar. place. We were just sitting there and Jackie got served an ad for your <laughs> workshop oh, really? and we were just talking about doing something like that. So, oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. I, I feel like that's what it's been like. I feel like tough thing has become a very like TikTok thing now. Oh very, yeah. Like Instagram thing. So like everyone's been wanting to do it, but then the amount of space you need and all the money you need to like actually yeah. buy everything, like no one's been wanting that. So I feel like pretty much on that same page, everyone's yep. thinking about doing it, but like, mm-hmm. it's kind of hard to do it, honestly. Yeah, no, I totally agree because, well, I've been messaging Andrew a lot because I've been trying to buy all my own supplies and shit. I've spent probably close to a thousand bucks. Oh my God. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds about right though, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's a lot more expensive than you'd think. Cause I was like, okay, a gun is what? 250. Okay. Fabric's probably not that expensive. No, it's pretty expensive. The yarn is actually more expensive than I thought it would be. I think that's the most expensive part. It's so expensive. Like I just went to... Michael's and I think I spent 50 60 bucks on yarn for one rug oh god yeah oh wow yes it's around that and I feel like actually I feel like yarn's getting expensive I don't know if this whole like inflation stuff oh my god yeah is I think affecting yarn, yarn is being too. inflated yeah because it used to be like 350 like a couple months ago but now it's like eight bucks oh my god. you know for yeah. just one scheme you know so that's yeah. like double the price honestly well going back to the start what was your first job how it led you to rug making how did you get here yeah yeah definitely i went to buffalo for school my first job was as a cybersecurity consultant um, at deloitte and i was mainly focusing on like aws was your major So I was a business major, but then at the end of my fourth year, actually, (laughs) I was about to graduate and I was just like looking at the jobs, you know, what you can do with like a marketing degree. Mm -hmm. And like, I don't know, these jobs were just so, I I don't know, like it it, it almost didn't even seem like a job, like extremely just like low paying. I was like, yeah, this just doesn't make sense. So I ended up staying extra to do a computer science degree. I was supposed to stay for two extra years to finish that degree, but then in the first semester of doing computer science i was able to kind of like leverage that into this cybersecurity job at deloitte so i didn't end up getting this computer science jobs so i was at deloitte at first and uh, i was there for a good two and a half years i think definitely did not choose to be there for two and a half years but (laughs) oh my god what kind of sucks is like they they lock you in with like a whole signing bonus you know so you know like they gave you the offer they gave you the nice salary and then like it was like a 10k signing bonus and like you know to like a fresh grad like 10k is like pretty nice yeah but then when you're signing the contract you don't realize it says like oh you know if you leave before two years you got to pay it all back so i learned within the first maybe two months like oh this is the worst thing ever i hate this so much but you know all student loans and everything i just couldn't leave so when I finally got the chance to leave, like I just had to dip as soon as possible. I left that 
after two and a half years and I went to an ad tech agency called a uh, Kepler group, you know, it's an ad agency, but like, it's not what you would think in terms of it being creative. That's what I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be a lot more just like creative work, but there I learned real quick that they were just focused on like just the, the backend side of things, just serving ads. So mm-hmm. I was just deep in these advertising dashboards and like yeah. Excel sheets, just, it was very, just data driven. It's very, very quantitative. Yeah. You know I mean, I actually ended up quitting my job on my two-year anniversary, which was nice. Yeah, yeah. And that was back in February I quit. So at this point, it's been like seven, eight months, which is kind of crazy. Yeah, a lot has happened in seven, eight months. Wait, February of this year? Yeah, 2021. Oh, oh, wow. Real, real, uh, recent. recent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then how long has your rug business been going on? Like less than that even? Yeah, well, like the workshops, that's only been going for like, three months, I would say. At first, I was more so focused on doing commissions, you know, just creating rugs for other people. I made like a good like maybe 10 or 12. And it was fun. And it was definitely needed. I, I think I was just seeing that like the amount of time it took to make one rug and like the amount of compensation yeah the compensation yeah yeah, yeah. And, and you're like seeing that too right <laughs> yeah also. i definitely lowballed myself on my first commission yeah yeah and, I, and mine was like 60 bucks i'm pretty sure like oh, you definitely was, you paid them money. to make them yeah. Grow. yeah yeah literally <laughs> honestly yeah but yeah i was just like the longer i keep doing this like it's just kind of like inevitable i'm gonna need to go back to a job so mm-hmm. i had to kind of like problem solve my way through it and that's how i kind of figured out the whole like workshop stuff Wait, um, so you quit before you had a plan? I mean, I had like a rough plan. I was like making rugs already right before I quit, you know, so I kind of had that going. And then I also, you know, I had my e-commerce um, business with Arashi Goods, which is a whole separate thing. But basically the rough plan was to just like really, really kind of go dig deep into both of them. So you are know. you still doing both at the same time right now? Yeah, I am still doing both. But I think, I mean, definitely more of the focus right now is going to Scattered Kind. And that's just like, just the nature of it being like in person and you know, just a lot of heavy lifting and stuff. So, you know, six months, it was just like crawling stage, like really, really crawling, just trying to get by. And now I feel like finally, as of the last like two months now, we're like in walking stage, mm-hmm. but it's still very, very much a grind. I feel like over the next two or three months, once I can hire people, once I move into the bigger studio, kind of make things a more like well-oiled machine, then I'll be able to refocus back onto Arashi Goods. Because I think Arashi Goods is ultimately, if we're talking about like 50 years down the line impact, I think Arashi Goods is kind of like the vision for me. Do you want to elaborate on Arashi Goods real quick? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. So that can go for like hours. Yeah, maybe just like a quick one minute. Yeah. Or like Give us your minute. elevator pitch. Yeah. Seconds. Oh, man. Elevator pitch. Oh, God. Practice. I'm so bad at that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Basically, I'm really trying to aim to use bamboo as the answer of a uh, sustainable alternative resource because bamboo can be used in a lot of different flexible ways. Obviously, there's things such as like bamboo toothbrushes, which is the first product I'm selling, right? So that solves the whole issue when it comes to plastics. But that's only one issue. When you think about other things that bamboo can be turned into, so for example, just with toilet paper alone, if we can get everyone to be buying bamboo toilet paper instead of, you know, tree toilet paper, think how much deforestation that can be stopped, think how many, you know, in indigenous um, peoples mm. that, that won't be losing their home. Imagine how many endangered species that would be saved. So that's like kind of the answer for like, you know, just like toilet paper. That's a 50 year vision for me for Arashi Goods in that once we get to a point where everyone and on such a large scale bamboo mm. is being used, like then I think it can really, really make a lot of impact on the world and stop a lot of these other just harmful um, practices. Um, so your goal in 50 years is to save the world. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I mean, it's it's a lofty goal sort of thing. I feel like it just kind of like starts with the seed. And like, I think mm-hmm. there was a significant amount of thought that was put into like 
okay, we're starting at toothbrushes. And that's like very small and minuscule, but I know where it's supposed to end up sort of thing. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Did you always have this entrepreneur spirit? Like you mm. wanted to start your own business? I guess like in, I never really knew if I would be like an entrepreneur per se, but I was always just like an ideas person growing up. You know what I mean? When I was in college, I was the president of the Asian American club there and not necessarily entrepreneur, but like, you know, I, I established a lot of certain things. So like I established intramural teams, I, I established a dance team and like these were all very intentional to kind of start bringing together the community. So I think it's like, Maybe I didn't always have the idea of entrepreneurship, but I feel like I've always had just like a vision for things. You know what I mean? And like, that's always what kind of like got me going, just trying to do something new. Like my, my best friend and I, the amount of business ideas we're always having and stuff, you know, I think that's, that's what kind of like really always gets me going. And obviously like just doing entrepreneurship stuff and like being free in that sense, it fits really well, I guess, with just who I am. So. Would you call yourself a creative? I think the conclusion I came to is I'm not like an artist by trade or by training, but I think I belong in just the creative space in general. Like I think that's where I thrive, doing something more creative, something more subjective versus something more quantitative and just mm-hmm. really black and white of like, this is the right answer, this is the wrong answer. And like, why why rugs? Like why was <laughs> yeah. that the, the medium you chose? Yeah, yeah, true. <laughs> and then how did your friends and family react to rugs <laughs> yeah. oh god yeah for sure um okay so the rug stuff started well just like the the seed was like planted in my head like back in like november so i went to like my friend's house we're all just like hang out in her room and i'm like sitting on her floor and i'm sitting on her her off-white ikea rug like uh-huh. when they did a uh... collaboration yeah and it was like you know that receipt paper mm-hmm. rug yeah mm. and like I, would, I don't know. I never seen a rug that wasn't just like a Wayfair type of rug. You know what I mean? And I was just like, damn, this is like the coolest thing. This is so <laughs> cool, you know? And then as I was doing that, like something clicked. And I guess the thought process was, okay, it seems like people our age who was in, who was a hypebeast in the past, we're now getting to that age where we care about things like home goods and our mm-hmm. and our living space and stuff. But at the same time, like us being millennials, we all want to be more unique than anyone else around us sort of thing. So like, I think the idea of having custom rugs, where it's your expression of who you are, I think it made a lot of sense. And the wave hasn't even started yet, you know, Mm -hmm. so I made sure to like get on it as soon as I can. So I can kind of like be ready, you know, once it becomes like that trending TikTok thing, you know, so so yeah, that's how it all started. I will say when I was, you know, telling my friends and family, about it when I told them I was quitting and that was going to be what I was doing yeah definitely just like <laughs> like confused yeah what <laughs> I guess I kind of expected that but it did it did kind of fuel this like, I don't know this I'm gonna prove them wrong yeah yeah, yeah. yeah did, you, them wrong. did you like give them like hints that you were going to quit soon or you just waited till after I mean I, I think I told them pretty soon after I put the two weeks in mm-hmm. honestly after not before yeah, because like the day before I put the two weeks, I had this real bad mental breakdown. And mm-hmm. I think it was actually like a really, it was like a really good moment, I think, that did transform me in a way where I am who I am today. So when I first started learning how to do rugs, I, I was doing it like the manual way, like not using a tuft on gun, like I was using like a punch needle, right? Oh, by hand, yeah. Yeah, by hand. And uh, when I 
started doing it, I was actually in Charleston in South Carolina. I was doing a solo trip there and I had the stuff like delivered there just because I was just like, let me just do it. Yeah. Yeah. So I was doing it there and everything. And, but at the same time, you know, I was working also. I think the thing with ad tech is they make you work investment banking hours and you do not get in anything close to an investment banking salary. It made no sense. You know, I'm there in in Charleston. I'm staying in this little like Airstream, you know, like a silver trailer sort of thing. So really small, compact thing. And I'm in there by myself the whole day. And by the time the workday is over, it will be so late. So I can't even really go and see anything Mm -hmm. because everything's closed and stuff. And that happened for most of that week. By the end of the week, again, it was just another stressful day and I was getting really overwhelmed and I was just like, okay, let me, let me call my manager and maybe she can take some of my work or something. That was my intention just of calling her, you Mm -hmm. know, just to tell her, Hey, I'm a little overwhelmed right now. Right. So I call her. Right. And as soon as I just start talking, I just started bawling. I just, Oh my God, I've never cried that hard before. I was, I was so like frustrated, so sad, just so like broken. Pent up emotion. Yeah. Yeah. Real pent up emotion. It was all coming out. And like, I was just, I was, I was being just real honest with her. I'm just like, bro, this is so stupid. What we're doing is so immaterial. If we were to do everything perfectly and work so hard, all it means is like we signed up (laughs) a bunch of people to personal savings accounts. Like it was, it was like the stupidest thing. I was honestly like expecting my manager to, um, be like oh you know like oh you're you're stressed you know so take just take the night off or you know take the day off tomorrow but then instead she was actually kind of just more like huh like do you like even want to be here honestly in a in a fair in a positive way like (laughs) um yeah yeah not yeah and like i feel like as soon as she said that i was like wow like she's seeing that too my manager you know who i've been looking up to this whole time about and, and, and stuff and like she was just like yeah you know like you what you are good at and like where you thrive is nothing like that you can do like this job, you know? Mm -hmm. So it was, it was nice to see that. Like she saw that too, like in me, like personally and not just like as like an employee. And she was the one who actually convinced me to put into two weeks, honestly. Yeah. Yeah. So, so again, that's why like it happened all so fast. Like I wasn't intending to quit or anything, but it just like, I don't know, it's just that night, like really just like something just like changed in, in, in my head. And like, I just feel like suddenly like everything that mattered now was very apparent that those things mattered. So I feel like it really cleared things up a lot more for me, you know, but yeah, that was a bit of a ramble, Ooh. but yeah. Oh, well, no, yeah. I feel like, I feel like our generation is very purpose driven mm-hmm. in our work. Mm-hmm. Like if you compare our jobs to what our parents used to do or even yeah. do now, like for example, my parents own a beauty shop and it's not like that's their passion in life, but mm-hmm. for them, it's like, it's, it's like what survival. brings the, the money yeah. in. And like, they were very supportive of me pursuing a creative field. So Like, it's very different generationally. So I'm curious, like, what do your parents do? Yeah. Well, my dad, very, very stereotyped Korean. He owns a dry cleaners, you know, family business and everything. And then my mom's a pharmacist. She went to, like, St. John's, you know, when she was younger. Yeah, so Mm -hmm. she's she was pretty, like... She she came here pretty early, and so she's, like... Is she very Americanized? Yeah, she's very Americanized. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's, she speaks very well English and stuff, yeah. Oh. And then my dad, it's, it's, it's interesting, like, just, like, the environments that, like, my parents are both in. Because, like, my mom, you know, working at the hospital in, like, Long Island, she's interacted with just so many, uh, I mean, Different there's things. no other way to say it, but just, like, a lot of white people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and a lot of white women and stuff like that, yeah, yeah. And, like, but, like, my dad, on the other hand, like, whenever I go to, whenever I went to the dry cleaners, like, it would be in, like, a town called Wyandanche. And it's very interesting because, like, 
you can definitely see like a big like wage gap, wealth mm-hmm. gap there. So like there's a lot of people who are extremely wealthy that are like, you know, just lawyers and stuff and they're coming with all their suits and stuff. But then you do have a lot of just like other locals and like you can see like they're struggling more and stuff, you know. So it's very, very interesting. They, they had very different experiences, I think, when it came to like work and stuff. I think my dad's was definitely a lot more of like a grind, you know, just like physical Mm. grind and stuff. Mm -hmm. Do you think they pushed a lot of the like traditional Asian ideals on you of like, you know, get the corporate nine to five, do that till you're 60, retire, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. They definitely were like that with Deloitte for sure. You just kind of make partner and, you know, then you go tire and stuff. I was like, like, become a partner, like climb the corporate ladder. Yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, it sounds terrible. Yeah. Yeah. But it does seem like they, I don't want to say given up on that (laughs) but i think they just know like maybe i'm not supposed to be following like a track Mm -hmm. of some sort because i think like that's how they've been trying to like train me Mm -hmm. to like be this whole like during my whole life and stuff but that just never worked yeah it was partly just like adhd and stuff too and like lack of focus and like lack of motivation also Mm -hmm. and drive there was definitely an aspect of them needing to like understand who i was i guess you Mm -hmm. know like I, i think like i was very adamant on not being just another one of those korean kids that are just like so just bow down to their parents and mm-hmm. do everything they say like I, I i think i never really i don't know i didn't mess with that honestly mm. so yeah so what does your typical day-to-day look like as would you call yourself an entrepreneur or like small yeah. business owner small business owner i like that word because yeah. um, just for just for reference for the listeners your current setup is you're doing Two people per workshop, and it's one workshop every day of the weekend, right? Yeah, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, so your weekends seem packed. So what does your weekday look like? I think I figured out a pretty good system to have, like, a weekend still. So my weekends now are, like, Monday and Tuesday if, you know, there's mm-hmm. nothing crazy going on. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday is basically doing a lot more of, like, the kind of, like, admin stuff behind, like, the workshops. So, you know, gathering all the designs and making sure I can, I color block them out, figure out what are the, like, what are the yarn colors I need, like, taking the inventory of, like, oh, do I need to order more or not? Just, like, just like all that more, like, kind of basic stuff like that. And then the day before the workshop, that's when I would be setting up all the frames for the whole weekend, just so that, like, you know, once the weekend hits, I can just, like, take out framed and just to mm. kind of switch them out oh and then also during the week i'm i'm also doing like the backing of the rugs so kind of trimming it you know with scissors and, and razor and stuff and then also like putting the felt on the back yeah. how are you balancing all this you're taking your weekends away so now it's like how are you balancing your social life or your personal interests aside from rugs all that stuff i'm not <laughs> yeah de- i would say i'm definitely not but uh, to be honest it's weird because it's like i don't I don't see a problem with it, I guess, just currently, because I think it's like, this is expected because, again, I am in that grind part, mm-hmm. you know? I'm putting up that upfront work to, like, set everything up and yeah. set up a process, but, like, there is still that end goal of, like, oh, having other people to to teach, having other people to do the backing or, or set up and stuff like that. So, honestly, like, yeah, there's not too much work-life mm-hmm. balance, Um, not really hanging out too much lately <laughs> either, <laughs> you know what I mean? And, um like even on like the dating like end it's just like (laughs) i don't even i don't yeah i don't know why i thought i like that would even (laughs) be possible but it's like you know i could only see them on like monday or two like who's trying to go on dates on monday you might meet someone at the workshop yeah yeah exactly (laughs) a lot of creative people yeah Mm -hmm. so yeah i mean again like yeah it's not really balanced right now but i will say that like even though i am working like 
way more than I ever had. I feel so much less burned out. Like I feel so energized. I would do these like 12, 14 hour days. I come home and it's like midnight, one o'clock. I just like can't sleep because like I'm just like buzzing with like ideas and I'm just so excited and stuff. Yeah. And I think that really kind of just showed me something about like, wow, like maybe I'm not a lazy person. Maybe I'm not (laughs) someone who like, you know, can't work and stuff. It's just more like just doing something that you really just didn't care about. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So Like once you're kind of like your work turns into your passion or your interest like it feels yeah like you could be doing it even past 5 p.m or even literally at midnight and you're like it's it feels it feels like nothing yeah it's like fun almost yeah it's Mm -hmm. like uh, it's like play yeah yeah but i think it is hard to like find something like that you know because because like with arashi goods i think that is more so like just my grander you know just value of trying to like just preserve the planet Mm -hmm. you know but i'm not like so like passionate about bamboo and stuff you know (laughs) it's just more like kind of through logic i realized it's like a a good thing to think about but with the rugs since it is something that like is more me in terms of hands-on and Mm -hmm. like just working with people and stuff like that like i think that's why it just doesn't ever really feel like work so yeah does um the thought about sustainability ever come across with the rugs because that is something that I've been thinking about. When I watch videos, I'm like, okay, that's kind of a lot of yarn that's being wasted. Like, yeah. what can I do with that? Yeah. It's kind of a lot of fabric that could potentially be wasted. Like, what can I do with that? Yeah. Well, I think in terms of just like sustainability, at least for rugs, the yarn, I think, is probably the biggest like culprit. Yeah. You know? It's a lot uh, of leftover yarn. I'm like, little yeah. pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, oh my God. It's just, it's just like, it's little pieces that you can't really use yeah. again. So yeah. I don't, yeah. And, and the thing is like, you know, the cheapest yarn is acrylic yarn, you know, mm-hmm. so that's like. Which is probably not good for the environment yeah, either. Yeah, definitely not good for the environment. Yeah. So I do think like there will, hopefully there will be a point in the future where like the yarn that's being used is, Bamboo. you know. <laughs> yes, oh, that is a good idea. <laughs> I was about to say wool, but okay, yeah. New business oh, idea? Yeah. No, I'm kidding. Arashi Goods Yarn, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I think like those are all things in mind. I think it's just that right now it still have to be a little bootstrappy and just kind of like mm-hmm. keep things cheap wherever, you know, I can until like I can afford to like invest in something like that. Mm-hmm. So... Have you yet to experience burnout? I like crash, I would say. Like, yeah, definitely crash. <laughs> so I guess I haven't really, really felt burnout, burnout just yet. I feel like burning yeah. out and crashing are very different. Like yeah. burnout is like, you're kind of at your wit's end. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But crashing is kind of like, oh, I'm just spending a lot of energy, but I don't necessarily hate what I'm doing, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's kind of like, you know, a crash is like losing like your physical energy but then mm. i think like burnout's like losing mental. like your motivation mm-hmm. yeah your drive like mental mode uh, mental energy stuff like that will to live <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah, yeah. <laughs> but again I, I really am really adamant about the whole fact that like you know if you're doing something you really really have a vision for and like really value like that burnout just like it still hasn't come you know what i mean and like i am kind of like scared because i'm like oh when is it gonna happen mm-hmm. you know because like i am i did have like issues with like consistency with things or sticking to things and i would say this is definitely one of the most consistent i've been <laughs> which, is, which has been nice you know yeah. did you have a backup plan at all when you started your business like if all else fails <laughs> what would you fall back on yeah did you um, have like x amount of savings yeah i think it was more that i think it was more about just like 
I knew how much time I could buy mm. and then I would have to just end up looking for a job. That was essentially the backup plan, like look for a job again. Thankfully though, like the month before I I was seeing that I need to start looking for a job is when, you know, all the workshops started taking off. So oh, now I've, yeah, I've definitely bought myself like many, many more months at this point. So that was a big relief. <laughs> that was huge relief, honestly. So, yeah. How much trial and error do you think has happened over the past few months since Scattered Kind started i mean i don't want to take credit for this because you were probably already thinking about it but you know we like showed up to your workshop and we were like you need to raise your prices because yeah. we would have paid a lot more because mm. these workshops include lunch they include they gave us a whole ass pizza <laughs> yeah like not even like the cheap like, he, like ran Caesars. out to go get it yeah, yeah it's like the, the nice poly g's yeah, yeah. it was so good it was like yeah. damn the workshop's like six hours yeah, yeah. six hours yeah and yeah. then like probably like just as much time to like do the backing and stuff mm -hmm. honestly, yeah like because so. the the glue has to dry and then the yeah. the fabric costs money and then you have to put like felt on yeah. the back and that costs money yeah yeah i mean i think i was trying to take it slow honestly you know just like slowly by slowly like with each drop starting to raise prices i think it was just like i didn't want to keep the prices low because it was still like a bit a of a thing. trial and error yeah new thing. yeah exactly and like I didn't want to like charge something so high and then maybe make these mistakes that I wouldn't have like seen if mm -hmm. I didn't do it a couple times at first. You That's know? true. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Because when you're like offering a service to someone, you're like, well, maybe if the price is lower, it's okay. If there's like a little hiccup here and there. Yeah, exactly. exactly. I feel that. Yeah. But I will say now, you know, I think it's definitely at a place where it's like, okay, charge like, you know reasonable prices that can support me as well as the business and stuff so i think now there's a bit more confidence and there's a bit, there's a bit more like social proof behind it and mm -hmm. stuff so instagram posts instagram posts and stuff tiktok videos yeah yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah has it been mostly through word of mouth or through those social avenues like tiktok instagram because I, I yeah i got the instagram ad and i was like damn i said rug once and the next thing you know <laughs> yeah. like i literally got it and luckily i saw it because right then and there i like swiped up and i was like oh jojo we should sign up for this i had one friend do the workshop before me that i didn't know was doing it sarah and then oh. I think our roommate, April, also has a friend who did it after we did. So mm -hmm. I feel like it's oh. like similar circles and friend groups, but yeah. we're not necessarily talking about it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, it is a small world, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think it, I think the word of mouth is like starting to like happen. Because again, it's only, if you really do think about it, like I only started this like first month of July you know so it's oh, only wow. been a month and a half you know and like wait wow really? yeah it's kind of crazy right what yeah. um yeah. workshop number were we i think you guys were, were. the second week yeah you guys were like no wait, you really? guys were the first you guys were the first week yeah wait i think what? there was some people before us remember because we were looking through oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah sarah did the, it before me i think she did the one the right before. before me yeah yeah true true so you guys were the set yeah you were like the fourth or fifth like workshop i think oh my gosh yeah yeah i think it's starting to grow i think people are starting to be more aware of it i think it's also because like since like a tufting workshop has never been done before like it's just like something brand new so like i guess like you won't have that same word of mouth as like ceramic studios and mm -hmm. stuff you know because mm -hmm. that's super mainstream at this point so what would you do if someone else opened up a tufting workshop would you like go fight them i was actually thinking about that yeah i was like yeah i don't know um i feel like the thing is like i am trying to approach this business like really really with just like 
as much of my values as possible. So I don't want to let like this money, like this idea of just like money and making money and having someone mm. taking away my potential mm. money and revenue. Like, I don't want to let that kind of get in the way. Like, cause I know like I get a lot of that satisfaction from just like helping other people, like, you know, start, start their dreams, fulfill their dreams. And it's not like, you know, there's only, you know, enough space for one tough thing workshop <laughs> ever sort of thing. So it's like, you know, I, I encourage that and like I applaud the effort and stuff. And I think it was cool. Like, you know, when you made your Instagram um, page like so quick, it was just like, oh, nice. Like it's like, oh, yeah. time. You're, like you're doing it, you know. I'm um, not going to start a workshop. Don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> but I will say like what I what I've told myself is like, yeah, you know, like encourage, you know, people to start that. And I encourage, you know, you to like kind of try to live your dreams and, and do something greater. Where are you learning all of this? Because you probably don't have previous workshop rugging experience yeah. um, beforehand. Yeah. But like, are you just doing everything on Google and YouTube? Or do you have like a mentor? Do you have a community behind you? Where are you getting all your resources and kind of Reddit? Yeah. yeah, I mean, Reddit, yeah, Reddit was one of them. Yeah, it was Reddit, YouTube, and just like Google and stuff. I will say like, you know, I didn't know anyone else that made rugs wasn't really part of any sort of like community like that yeah and and no mentor or anything i still never had a mentor like in general so yeah it was definitely all very just like figure just figure it out just keep like making mistakes until like you got things down i think like that's kind of how i've always been just the mentality has been over the last couple years because i think i think that job at deloitte really showed me that like anything or most things like in this world and most jobs and stuff are just are learnable Mm -hmm. like anyone Mm -hmm. can learn it's just like a series of knowing what to click or a series of like knowing who to inform when this happens it's just you know just like it's like modern day factory work almost (laughs) yeah i always i always like kind of like see it like that almost Mm so i think that was the same thing with the rugs where it's just like oh what is this like tufting gun this looks like scary it seems scary but like generally things are just scary at first but like you know when you keep doing it it just becomes you know, second nature. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I think it was like kind of similar to like when you guys did the workshop. It's like, <laughs> you know, you're like very like worried and kind of scared. Yeah. Like, oh, like how, how hard should I like stab the fabric and stuff? But then like at, by the end of it, you guys were just like, you know, just quiet in your own world. You're just doing it. You know, we didn't talk for a few hours. Yeah. yeah. It, I, I get what you mean where you're like, you're in the zone and all you want to do is just get a straight line. Yeah. Make like, it perfect. Okay. But yeah, it's, it's, that was, that was really fun. Cause I'm like not an artistic or creative person at all. So like me doing this, I was like, Oh my god like i can create something and that was something so big for me yeah exactly yeah and i think like you know instruction is very important like just like knowing like those certain things that always like holds people back so i think when when i taught you guys i think just kind of like my teaching checklist i guess was like maybe like 80 percent of the way there but Mm -hmm. it does seem like as each week has gone by since then like the speed at which these rugs are getting done are like so so fast so much Mm. faster and like the quality too like it's just like getting better and better not as many mistakes i would need to like um Mm. fix and stuff not saying you guys had a lot of mistakes (laughs) i'm like damn (laughs) (laughs) i finished so early i remember yeah and i was just like eating my pizza watching jojo and then i looked back at my photo i was like oh my god my stars are so uneven (laughs) like i don't even know why like i didn't even spend more time but i did it i was like oh that's good stop I look back and I was like, damn. (laughs) It still looked nice though. It still looked nice. So you mentioned like your 50 year plan is kind of leaning into this e-commerce sustainable business idea of yours. What else do you see for yourself in the, like, I guess more near future? Um, Ooh, actually very excited about the near future, honestly. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't think it matters 
to just say it. But yeah, like, <laughs> I feel like over the next couple months, it is very possible we're going to like open up the workshops in another city. What? Um, yeah, it's gonna be crazy. That's actually, big. yeah, Wait, I'm do you super wanna, excited. Do you want to elaborate more on the new studio setup and like how you've grown from two people mm, per workshop? Yeah. Now it's gonna be four people. Yeah, like the size of the workshop. In yeah, the two people yeah. space. Yeah, where you're going? Like a small, tiny studio to <laughs> yeah. like quadruple, maybe more than quadruple the size. Yeah. Well, the first, the very very first one i wasn't even it wasn't even like a legitimate studio it didn't even have like actual ceilings you know it was like a, mm. I, was, I was like more in like a cubicle <laughs> oh. and then yeah and then i moved into that one that you guys were in but i mean i don't know like you guys see like it was it's pretty small that you know it's a little mm. cramped and stuff so i think it was that was good to like again still start figuring out like just like the whole process so now everything's really really down so this new studio it's like the biggest studio that this company offers so yeah, I'm going to take that space and like that I think is going to allow so many things like, yeah, yeah, we're going to move up from like workshops of two to like eventually workshops of six, which obviously will be great in terms of just like growing the business. But, you know, at the same time, I also want to start doing, you know, open studio stuff because because I think it was cool. Like a lot of people who did these workshops, they want to make more rugs mm -hmm. like they want to and they even want to want to like buy a tufting gun. They just want to continue it because it's like it's like another another like hobby, mm -hmm. like another craft thing. Right. So you don't want to just stop at one. So like in order to like kind of continue just like that in engagement and that involvement and like grow the community, I think it would be nice to have like an open studio where they can kind of just come in and work freely, like on their own time, maybe like give them a certain like space for them to work and they can like rent that for a week. Mm -hmm. You know, they can come back whenever they want to work on it, to finish it and stuff. So, yeah. So that, that's, that's one thing I, I am also trying to do in that new studio. Again, you know, moving to another city, I think, Philly is what I'm looking at right now. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, Are you bringing on more people too? Or is it just going to be you kind of? Oh, yeah, true. Yeah, bring on more people too. So I have some people who are interested in like teaching, some people interested in like, you know, just more of the backing and stuff like that and like administrative stuff. So yeah, I'm going to start hiring and training people there. And then, we, and I think like that's going to come first before like moving to another city mm -hmm. and stuff. But, but yeah, and then beyond like the rug stuff actually, because I'm just trying to think of Scattered Kind like beyond tufting workshops right mm -hmm. so i think once things are really down with all of these tufting workshops i do want to start looking at other types of classes that could be done because if i can think of like maybe a greater vision of like scattered kind is maybe something along the lines of like trying to bring or tr yeah trying to bring like something refreshing to just like art classes and mm -hmm. art workshops because i think right now it seems very just kind of like i don't know just like a little stale at this point it's painting it's ceramics and it's like crocheting and yeah. stuff you know it's like really the same stuff so i want to try to bring something new i never really like explained too much what like scattered kind meant oh, yeah, I was but going like to ask like what is the what does the name mean yeah so i i think this this i still haven't fully figured out how to word it the best <laughs> way elevator <laughs> pitch yeah. yeah but basically you know i named it scattered kind because it was kind of like a play on the on the words uh, scattered mind um oh. yeah because the thing is like, so I have ADHD and like it's been diagnosed and I was on medication for like a good year and a half-ish. I actually ended up getting off the medication maybe a month after quitting my job. Yeah, so on top of being unemployed, I was also having to get off the medication and adjust and everything. But I think during during this whole entire like journey, like I really tried to focus um, on the fact that like I should use this 
this like disorder, you know, this ADHD that I have, like this really active mind that I have for something productive, like try to use it or like try to like really focus it in in the right way. And so I'm really trying to kind of like be more proud of the of the fact that I have ADHD and stuff mm-hmm. and not continue to think of it as like a disorder, mm-hmm. you know. So when it comes to scattered kind, it's not that people with ADHD have a disorder that's just the way our brains are are created you might have these things that you know in the past people have labeled you know as disorders and stuff but like if i feel like if you do learn to like channel it in the right way i think like that is really kind of like what uniquely is you and stuff you know but like now i'm realizing like my vision and my ideas are a lot more focused and a lot more like structured than they were in the past so where can people find you if they want to sign up for a workshop if they're in new york city so I'm on Instagram and TikTok, it's just at Scattered Kind. All the links are there just in terms of signing up. I'm actually, or I actually just finished building a website today. So nice. yeah, so it's not public just yet, but you know, just look out for that website to sign up and everything. So we're not going to do it. No janky like Calendly stuff anymore. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be legit now. But yeah, and then I guess my personal is just on Instagram. It's at, I still don't even know how to pronounce it, but F- <laughs> <laughs> FL. A H C H, I believe. What does that mean? How do you say that? Flatch. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Like, no, it was just like for Arashi Goods when I was building that site. Like, it was password protected, and that's what the password was. Thank you so much for coming on this episode of Asian Glow Up. I know that we had a great time talking about starting your own business, how you told your friends and family, how you balanced like everything on your own and built it from the bottom up and everything else associated with starting a business, like all the ups and downs and all the highs and lows, but I'll say there's probably a lot of highs more so. So yeah, it's a great conversation. Yeah, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, I feel like we've been there from the beginning. So I kind of yeah, like where we were. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where you're going and what's next. 